0: Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs also known as Jew in the City. Last year we were following the YU Max a lot. Um, they had this incredible 50 game winning streak. Um, I don't even like sports. Um, my son actually just got uh, voted to be captain of his basketball team in middle school so that's pretty exciting. Um, so I am actually following sports a little bit now but i um, even not liking the sports, watching that winning streak was actually pretty exciting. And watching Ryan Terrell, um, sort of the star of this team, was very exciting. Um, and, you know, wondering would he be drafted? Um, so he did recently just get drafted to a G League, which my husband explained to me is like minor league in NBA, a possible way to get to, you know, actually play in the NBA. Um, and the interesting thing is that we posted first Orthodox Jew to be drafted to the NBA. And the um, thing that I've noticed doing this job is that if you ever say anything wrong, there is someone on the internet who will thankfully correct you. Um, and so, after we wrongly posted that Ryan Terrell was the first Orthodox Jew to get drafted to the NBA, someone commented on our post and said that's not actually true. Back in 1981, there's a man named David Kufeld, also a YU alum, who was drafted not to the G League, but to the NBA, NBA. Um, and so I, of course, reached out to David to find out about this story that I'd never heard of before because we're so curious to learn more. So David, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, my honor.
0: Um, so, you know, it's interesting because um, in this advocacy that we're doing for Orthodox Jews, um, I think we have to try to explain to a lot of people that while there are Jews that have had leadership positions or, you know, um, been on major, you know, ball teams before and famous stories of people like Sandy Koufax that sat out and didn't play on Yom Kippur. Uh, For the Orthodox community, we're still having a lot of major firsts. Um, We had two, you know, MLB drafts uh, in the last year, which was historic, even though there's been other Jewish, you know, um, baseball players in the past. because of you know our observance um we need uh, institutions uh, teams organizations to be willing to accommodate our uh, you know shabbos observance our holidays um and you know something that's on our mind a lot is that as we're sort of in these times of increased inclusion and equity and diversity um will jews count in those spaces as well so um If you could just take us back to 1981, I was one year old. Um, So that's, you know, I was in the world at that point, but um, I don't remember it very much. So um, where did you grow up? Um, When did you start playing basketball? I can tell from Zoom, you seem to be a pretty tall guy. So tell us about your basketball career uh, before you got to the NBA.
1: Sure. Um, I was was actually drafted in 1980, but one year, uh, we won't quibble.
0: Um, okay, 1980.
1: my first sport was actually baseball. I um, okay. started our uh, baseball team out in Great Neck, where uh, we had moved to when I was about eight years old. And um, a f- funny story is obviously I, I was very tall from a young age. You can see pictures of me in kindergarten looking quite tall. Um, and it used to be the procedure for about half an hour before we would start a baseball game. You would have to convince the other coach that I was that I was not a ringer. I was actually uh, eleven years old or ten years old. Uh, but um, so I started there, and uh, I guess in about fifth grade I started playing basketball. Uh, I'd say a little more seriously. Sixth grade even more so, although I don't think I made the team uh, at North Shore Hebrew Academy when I was in sixth grade, but I did at seventh grade and certainly eighth grade. And um, I, you know, I, I was encouraged, particularly by my parents to, uh, to pursue sports um, for, for a variety of reasons. And uh, they were willing to do the other part of the hard work, you know, the, the athlete himself or herself obviously has to put in hours. But when you're younger, uh, someone has to take you to practice. Someone has to uh, be there for you. And uh, they certainly did that uh, for me um, in many ways. And um, so I was, just for example, I was 6'3 at my bar mitzvah. Oh, wow. So,
0: uh,
1: look at the bar mitzvah
0: how tall? How tall
1: are you? What What was your maximum height that you got to? So I'm 6'8", uh, if I stand up oh, wow. straight, uh, which um, sometimes is dangerous depending where I'm standing. Um, so being that tall certainly playing basketball in a way uh, helped it. I know some. I know it's it's tough for some tall kids who are not basketball players because that's the first thing people will ask them. Wow, you're yeah. so tall. It would be a shame that you're not a ball player but um uh, so i started i spent uh many many hours in the driveway shooting and practicing and uh perhaps i should have been hitting the books but i was hitting uh shots instead
0: and where'd you go to high school
1: uh so i went to mta uh which was uh um Little schlep from Great Neck, but uh, I played varsity ball from the time I was a freshman, and um, it was as I was saying, uh, I probably didn't appreciate it enough then of of how many of the hours my dad, after a long day in the office, uh, to to come schlep up to Washington Heights uh, at least twice a week to, uh, to pick me up, and. Um, so I, I was at MTA and uh, we had we had some good teams not every year but um, most of the time and then I uh, went to YU which was really I, I I was intent on playing college basketball and uh, as as we know it's it's very difficult to play elsewhere uh, if you're Shomer Shabbat and um, obviously there was no conflicts there but. Uh, those were the day. Those were the call it the uh, the lean years of Yeshiva basketball. Um, we had no gym. We uh, had a hard time getting enough players, uh, which you need for practice to, to scrimmage and all of that. And um, it was uh, it was very tough. It was very. Um, luckily, we had we had an outstanding coach uh, knew the game amazingly and was even a better and is, um, even a better person and advisor who I still feel very close to today. Um, Dr. Jonathan Halpert, Johnny Halpert, um, but it was just a very, it's just a, it was a, wild just a widely different time than today when there's an amazing gym and their fans and, um, people can follow you. They can watch the games online we played in what we, I guess you would call radio silence. You really, you had to make a real effort to come to our games. Hmm. Um,
0: and it was division three at the time as well?
1: It was division three. Uh, for many years in college basketball, there were, there were just two divisions. Uh, the university, as they call it, the major colleges like uh, UCLA, St. John's. And then they called it the college division, like YU and uh we were still playing so then they they divided that into one two and three when i was a freshman and sophomore we were still playing a few division two teams which uh was, was very hard but um so things are different today
0: and so um if you're playing d3 and the team wasn't like the current yu max today um how did you i guess train to be good enough how did you get the idea that you might be able to make the nba draft if you could take us through um, what that process looked like
1: sure um, i was lucky in that um, you know, my personal statistics at, were very high i uh, led the nation in rebounding for two years um wow. of course we were missing a lot of our shots and there were a lot of rebounds to be had but um, and I had been developing my my reputation. In some ways, I was a late bloomer. Um, you know, I was not as as dynamic a high school player in many ways than I was later in, in my college career. And um, I guess most most kids, how, however old you are, you 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 dream of of the pros, even though that is. Uh, Seems pretty unattain, pretty unattainable, and um, just to put just to put things in perspective, it was it was it was just no one would in their right mind would even think it was possible. It was just very hard in general for a Division Three player to make it to the big leagues. Very few times had that ever happened. Um, but in, 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 in my situation, this is my only chance, my only time I had, um, I've, I've had a long career in uh, PR and advertising. And I, I got started at YU and uh, they really didn't have a sports PR department. And I started um, working on publicizing uh, the basketball team and other teams. And for me, I had... Uh, Because I was already thinking in that way. I, I, when I was a senior, I put together what now would be a very crude, very uh, almost embarrassing packet of information that I sent to 10 teams. I, I recall, um, why not? It was my only chance. Uh, and I maybe sort of forgot about it, but, um, uh, the NBA draft at that time, unlike today, which is a spectator sport, people actually go to the draft. They buy tickets. They stay there. Um, uh, it was this that year. Was, it was not, and it wasn't until the next morning, when my father woke me up uh, in the YU dorm, since he read the fine print in the paper the next day that the Portland Trailblazers had had uh, drafted me, which was. I mean, there's one thing at 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 YU. The, there are a lot of obviously pre-med students and pre-law, and people celebrate getting into med school or law school, and that's an accepted, expected thing. But this was this was just something no one could even consider or or even uh, conceive of. So, but can, was- I, can
0: I can interrupt you for a second? So you didn't meet them. They simply drafted you after looking at a packet that you sent them. Is that how? Because aren't there? I mean, I don't really know anything about this, but don't they like watch people? Don't they scout and watch them play? Are there always some people that they just take sight unseen based on their stats?
1: Sure. Uh, well, back then they were ten rounds, so they took ten players. Okay. Uh, before the days of YouTube, you didn't really have so much video. So for for, for pro teams, the top few few rounds, the top few picks. You know, one, two, three maybe four um, they would put effort into scouting and they knew they knew who the, who they wanted. And uh, so in, they had 10 rounds. So I was the 10th round pick, which um, a team could take a gamble on that. Uh, Portland Trailblazers actually, I, I wasn't the only division three player they took that year. They took hmm. another player, Mike Harper, who was, at that time, the best player of all time in Division Three, And he actually made the team. Uh, a 6'10 guy from a s- small school in uh, Illinois. Um, the the backstory, which I didn't really even know right away, um, the president of the team, a guy named Harry Glickman, was involved in the Maccabiah basketball. And so he had, he had a good Jewish heart. And I think he had followed some of my... Uh, career, um, which was not easy to follow, but um, he did know a bit about me. And the uh, even more incredible situation was the owner of the team, uh, Larry Weinberg, uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, he, he was a Yeshiva Flatbush graduate huh. and drafted a Jewish player. And uh, it was my fortune that uh, Danny Shays the son of dolph shays one of the nba's all-time greats danny was just a junior that year and uh, so he he wasn't uh up for being drafted and um uh they selected me and it, it was uh i i didn't really find that out until like a year or two later uh larry uh, was one of the founders of apac and uh my mother may in peace was I uh, met him at a um, um, a um, um, Zionist meeting, uh, uh, um, uh, Council, uh, Council of Presidents, and um, so we found out later on. And uh, turns out my grandfather was, was his principal in, at, at Flatbush. So, and he didn't hmm. put, two, put two together, so it's just nice how uh, sometimes things come full circle.
0: So, if these people, especially one was a guy, other one was Jewish, did they realize that you were going to have an issue with playing on Shabbos when they recruited when they drafted you?
1: Um, I don't think so. Uh, um, you know, I I had I had honestly a a, a fair chance to make the team like any other guy there. Uh, They invited. So what's different now is that then they had what's called a rookie camp. They invited the 10 the 10 picks to come and they invited some uh, some some veteran players who they were considering signing. So there were uh, 20 guys um, from schools like UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, And um, I mean, the ball was in my court, so to speak, to make something of that I, I i don't know really i mean obviously i, I it was not something i was asking them i i knew that the chan- my chances were were so remote but uh, the fact that they enabled me to go out there uh, like everyone else uh was an opportunity i couldn't pass up um it started on a sunday i knew uh that Odds are I would be uh, released during the week. Just knowing at, at that point I had already played on some higher levels over the summer, I uh, I knew I was out of in, in, well, sort of academic, but I was out of position. Even at six foot eight, I I, I played center, and in the NBA that's that's short, and uh, so to change positions was was tough, but. Um, my, my goal my goal all the while was to play in Israel that next year and they gave me this this amazing opportunity, this gift and um, I took it I mean it was it was in retrospect maybe a little bit risky because what if what if I somehow did I mean things happen crazy things happen and for me the big the, the, the immediate conflict would have been, uh, the players who made it through the whole week, Friday night, on Friday night, they were going to play against the real team in front of uh, 20,000 fans at the Portland Coliseum. And um, luckily, it didn't come to that. But uh, I, I'd like to think that I would have uh, bowed out, although that would have been very awkward, for sure. I mean, it was a real calculated risk. Um, my mother was only convinced that, well, I made the other teams I've tried out for. Why wouldn't I make this team? And she was <laughs> worried sick about it. Um, so uh, that did not come to pass.
0: Can I ask you a question? Because as we've established, I don't know so much about sports. Is, does it always go this process that they draft you and then you have a trial in person? Or sometimes they just draft you and you're on the team? Because I, I thought it was the latter and not the former. Like, what what's the normal mechanism for drafting someone for the NBA?
1: Sure. Well, now now they are, there are only two rounds, so oh. huge pressure for each of these picks to be a sure thing. And players try out before the draft, where the teams already know who they want to pick. They've seen them, they've seen them in college, and then they've seen them since college in the uh, almost like a job interview where they're, where they're playing for them. Um, the money has gotten obviously so, so crazy, so large that, um, they can't, they, they can't really risk anything. They certainly could invite a player who they're not so sure about. They can invite them to play on a summer league team or to try out with them. Um, so. There's just no comparison. It's so much, so much harder now to get drafted. It's almost uh, it, it, it's it's statistically impossible, even for players from the top level. There are just only so many spots, and mm-hmm. the NBA is full of foreign players now. Be, for because foreign players are better, and the NBA wants to, uh, uh, wants to pr- to promote the league overseas. So there, there are a lot of forces that make it. Very very tough. I mean, this is so.
0: Sorry, I continue.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. Realistically, you have to. Uh, if if you really are thinking of NBA, you you can't go to MTA. You 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 can't be going to YU, you have to start. A, and uh, at a very young age, and that's what a lot of these players do, especially when you can get drafted right out of high school. So. Uh, there are very few secrets, very few um, unknown players, even even for high school players.
0: Now you did after you, so you did get cut from that draft. Um, now I'm understanding this story better. You went on to play elsewhere. Where? Tell us about the ball, your ball career after that.
1: Sure. I um, again, it, it was my it was my my goal to play here in, uh, to play in Israel. Um, uh, there had been, um, there still is, uh, you know, the the teams in Israel are, are usually sponsored by different organizations, uh, Maccabi, Hapoel, and they have different teams in different cities. And there was, uh, he, there is a group called Elitzur, which was, um, I guess, an outgrowth of the uh, um, National Religious Party. I mean, a lot of these are politically uh, rooted and i figured I'd, i i would have no trouble playing for them with in terms of shabbat um what happened was in in my year that i went um the israeli teams and this was again 1980 a long time ago uh they were hiring hiring so many foreign players that the sabras the israeli players were not getting enough uh playing time so uh, they um the way it works in European and Israeli sports, you have, it's not like college and pro you have the top level. And then there's the B level the C level and teams, the bottom teams, the teams that finished the, at the, let's say the bottom two spots at the top level move down uh, in the next season to the lower level. So there's always pressure to stay at the top level. So that year they froze the standings. So um, teams were not, Hiring uh, foreign players as much, Um, so Elitzur decided they were not they were not going to uh, really put as much money in their budget. And the team I I I signed with uh, Maccabi Ramat Gan, they actually enabled me, strangely enough, to play as the designated foreigner, which, in in uh, in. Again, European leagues, if you're a citizen of the country, um, it's easier for you to get a job on, on those teams. They usually have one or two spots for a non-citizen. And in Israel, whenever there's a Jewish player, generally from the States, uh, they become Olim, and uh, they don't have to use that spot to, uh, um, you know, they can they can hire a non-Jewish player, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played as uh you know, the designated, the designated foreigner or, or Gentile, certainly, uh, uh, I mean, I, I uh, was not, I, I had, I had prepared to become an ole at that time. Um, I felt doing it for basketball wasn't really, you know, the ideal scenario. And I didn't know much about benefits and certainly I would use them up or, uh, before I really had a chance to uh, do that. But I, I didn't have to worry about it.
0: You got to play the, the non-Jew. Um, sort of uh, circling back now to today where we are with uh, having some drafts now um, in MLB, G League, NBA, um, an Olympic hopeful with BD Deutsch. What are your thoughts? And We have about five minutes to go. What are your thoughts about um, the world of sports accommodating uh, religious players
1: uh, from any religious faith right um and and that that is a factor uh certainly um muslim athletes have had to compete uh, during ramadan they've had to fast and if if they're if they're observant um so it's an interesting thing it's not it's not a level playing field to use an athletic uh, uh word um sports it's all about how good you are how certainly Depending how on it might be if you're in a team sport, there are other things you can't control. Um, so you there there is a meritocracy, um, but at, at the same token, it uh, one's one's observance uh, one's religious observance should not preclude you from um, from being given a chance to to succeed or fail, but. Um, uh, at some point, either you have the goods or you don't, and so it's it's a little bit different than, let's say, uh, uh, lawyers, accountants, or whatever a profession. When you're dealing with talent, whether you're a singer, or an actor, um, it's 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 a very it's it's certainly complicated. Um, I, I I believe that um, you know hard choices have to be made by the athlete, him or herself as, as to how far they will go, how they will, how they will try to bend the rules if they have to, but that, that's a very personal thing and harder to do when you're in the spotlight. And, and if you're yeah. a role model, um, those, are not easy, those, those are not easy questions. And um, I, I've seen that in, in, in various scenarios. Uh, yeah. when I YU, I I I I was in the drama club. Of course I couldn't get many roles because I was a foot taller than the rest of the cast <laughs> usually. So there are only so many monsters that they could have in a play. Um we had amazing actors and what what are they supposed to do? It's 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 very tough. But uh luckily in Israel it's it's not the it's still not not even in Israel, it's not without some complications. If mm-hmm. you're a soccer player Games are uh, generally on Shabbat. Hmm. I was that that in basketball, when I played in Israel, the games used to be, the league games were Friday nights until the year before I, I started where they moved to Sunday nights. So I, I, I was
0: lucky. Wow, so not even in Israel. Um, yeah, you know, I I hear the, the complex nature of it, and obviously the person has to have the talent and, you know, the will to uh, practice as much as it takes to um, be able to compete. But the question is, if the talent and the the will is there um, in this age of, you know, continuing uh, inclusion and um, trying to find ways to create diverse uh, spaces, um, can there be room for, you know, religious uh, accommodation as well? So um, that's a conversation we're going to keep on having and keep on hopefully bringing to places like Um, you know, different sports organizations. were doing that now in Hollywood. Um, But just want to thank you for being a trailblazer in this space. Um, And now we'll know that David Kufeld in uh, 1980 uh, was the first Orthodox Jew drafted to the NBA. So thanks so much for for your work for our community.
1: Thank you. And thank you for all you're doing as well.
0: Thanks so much. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.